0: hello it is i hello it is me it's i it, it is i it is me it is i npeg nick peg if you're listening to this that means you're part of the patreon the npeg patreon and i cannot thank you enough for being a part of that um just yesterday i made a post about dming justin bieber to support me on patreon just 10 dollars a month justin is all is at, all i was asking Of course, he didn't respond as I reacted to one of his selfies that he posted on his story. I think he's in Hawaii right now, actually, because it looks very warm where he is. Anyways, I posted the photo of the DM that I sent Justin Bieber, and 10 people chose to jump in and cover what Justin Bieber chose not to cover. Just $10 a month, (laughs) or more, or less you can do less. You just got to hit edit pledge and you'll be able to do whatever you can afford. And hey, if you feel like you can't support anymore, that's fine too. There are no hard feelings. I'm so appreciative of everyone's support, whether you're still supporting or whether in the past. Man, I literally would not be doing this without this group of people. So thank you. So I have this wannabe podcast that i've started on the patreon and and it's uh it's going okay we've done two episodes with with sarah and and one with a guest and now i can't have guests over and i'm sort of refusing to refusing to do long distance podcasts because i personally don't enjoy them i don't enjoy like the skype or the zoom phone call that just gets recorded and it's all choppy and digital and i don't know maybe i'm Maybe that'll someday change because we won't get to meet in the same room for even longer than we anticipate, but for now, I'm only going to interview people I can be in the same room with. So that's either uh, myself and me, me and myself, myself and Sarah, because I live with her because she's my wife. I mean, we don't have to live together. We could just be married and not live together. That would just be kind of weird, I think. And maybe if I I can get a system together where one person on the other end is recording into a proper microphone and I'm recording on a proper microphone and we merge those sounds together, we can have a higher quality interview. But as for right now, that's the podcast plan. I have this idea and I want to tell you a story. Well, my, my idea is to tell you the story. That's the idea. I was going about my day. And I was like, you know what, I want to talk about, I want to tell this story. I don't have a place to practice speaking, and so that's one of the big benefits with maybe starting this podcast, or at least doing these recorded voiceovers for the Patreon crew, that I get to practice speaking. You see, it's been about a year since I've been able to speak anywhere. And before that, speaking was my main source of income. I would just book a speaking gig, well not snap my fingers and book a speaking gig, but people would graciously have me out to speak to their youth group or classrooms or various places, And, and, and I was so fortunate that they would pay me, and that's how I paid the bills, through the little bit of support at the time on Patreon and being able to speak places in person, that's how I paid my bills, and that's how Hashtag Hope operated, and I stayed afloat in this whole thing we called life and then life changed. COVID-19 hit as we're aware and as you're sick of hearing and man, I don't want to hear the word unprecedented any more times for the rest of my life. Starting now. I never want to hear it again, okay? Don't bring it up. I don't want to hear it. So I need a place to practice speaking and a friend of mine just bought me this amazing sound interface for this exact purpose. He loaned me a mic and a microphone stand. And uh, I think it sounds good, and all I need to do now is to speak. There's nothing in between me and speaking. So no more excuses. Let me tell you a story. I went to high school once upon a time about 10 years ago. Sarnia, Ontario. St. Christopher Secondary School. Shout out. No longer exists, actually. I went to a high school that no longer exists. In grade 11, I signed up for a class called the co-op class. And you basically go and work while at school? Wow, sounds great. But at the time I thought, this is perfect. I'm going to get a job while I work. I quickly realized that you don't get paid for this co-op. You just go to work while you're at school. And for a teenager, wow, sounds so appealing. (laughs) So I figured if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go somewhere that I want to go. And so my first pick was I wanted to work at the local Sarnia radio station, Blackburn Radio. They had three radio stations out of it. Specifically, I wanted to work at the Rock station, K106.3, shout out. So I asked the co-op teacher who would set up the interviews or set up the the placements. And she said, yeah, no problem. So she called them up and they, they were willing to take a grade 11 student, a lonely grade 11 student for one day a week. I was like, fine, I just won't do anything the rest of the week. And she said, no, you have to have a second placement for this class. So not only did I need to go to school, but she's now telling me that I needed to work two jobs to go to school. (laughs) So my second choice was something in the tech industry. I really wanted to work in tech for some reason. I really, I don't know, I looked up to it. It was before I thought about doing a social good project or trying to start a charity or something like that. I thought, let's work in tech, because it was just as everything, the curves were starting in tech, you know, Twitter was just created, and social media was becoming like, oh, this is obviously going to be the next thing, apps were blowing up, the iPhone had just come out, tech was tech was where the money was. So I'm like, all right, what can I do in tech? She's like, oh, we've done a placement before at a place called Sarnia Computer Center, on the west end of Sarnia. Shout out Sarnia Computer Center. Still going, still operating, still holding it down. Mom and Pop Computer Shop. That's a rhyme I just made up, and they can use that. Jeff, if you're listening, that's your new marketing campaign. So for the rest of the week, I worked at Sarnia Computer Center. And believe it or not, I started as just like a kid who was, I don't know, answering the phones or showing people different computer parts and whatnot. Very quickly, that turned into me actually fixing people's computers, believe it or not. Grade 11, people were bringing their broken computers in, mainly had viruses from clicking on links they shouldn't be clicking on. Very quickly, I was working on the computers from the people of Sarnia. I got so comfortable there that they actually hired me on after school, and I was paid to work on computers at this computer store. So one day, on my single day of the week at the radio station... I was creating the news reel for that day. I was recording one of the radio hosts reading the news and it was the afternoon reel and I was the one on the computer editing it up. Of course I had supervision from someone who actually knew what they were doing, but uh, they let me believe that I was making the news reel for the day. And in the specific news broadcast for some reason, really they had no business talking about it, but for some reason they mentioned that a new currency had been developed a new currency called Bitcoin, specifically, had been developed. Now, if you don't know what Bitcoin is, it's a limited digital source of information. There is a beginning and an end to this information. And inside, it's sort of like if you think of a crossword puzzle. It's scattered letters on a page, and someone tells you there's 10 words on this page. If you find the word, then... You win. You get the word. If you don't, someone else could beat you to the word. There's ten of them. There's no more. And if you find them, you can keep them. That's the same with the Bitcoin idea. There's a chunk of information. Think of it as like ones and zeros or a bunch of letters. And if you find what's known as a chunk or a coin, you get to keep it. Now, little grade 11 me heard about this. Wanting to work in tech. Thinking... This is how I'm going to get rich. This is genius. Or this is just, this is amazing. I just want to be involved with something that's being created. Something that's that's on its birthplace. It's, it's, it's in its spawn form, you know? It's in the beta. I just wanted to be involved with it. And when I found out that you, just anyone, could download some software and search for a coin within this code... I I wanted to own one. I was like, I just got it. Let's just do it. This is so cool. I'm so infatuated by it. So it worked out perfect because the next day I would be at a computer store where I could look at computer parts all day and dream about all the best computer parts I could put together to build a computer that could farm and mine and find Bitcoin. So that's what I did. Because I had a a part-time job at this computer store, I had a little bit of money coming in, and I saved every dollar I could. I sourced all the best computer parts for the year. And, of course, I had a staff discount because I worked at the store. So months go by. finally save up enough money to buy the computer parts. I order them. I wait even longer to get them in. This was early days Republic of Gaming. This was early days NVIDIA. You know, GeForce cards, this is early days, this is actually first generation i7. So I had one of the first gen quad core i7 processors on order. And a 512 megabyte RAM video card, you know, had 8 gigs of DDR3, but it was overclocked DDR3, 1333 megahertz DDR3 RAM, which was cutting edge at the time. Now, of course, our cell phones have more power than this computer that I was building at the time but man I was proud of myself I made a custom case for it I had LEDs in the case and I and I perfectly built this computer out of joy and purpose and I was going to video I was playing video games with my friends I was going to become like a, a steam gamer before this I only had an Xbox one so the time came I had finished the build of my computer I got it up and going and I I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a thing called overclocking. It was totally possible. People were doing it. And I was like, you know what? Since I'm so smart in the tech world, I'm going to overclock my computer. And what that is, is essentially, have you ever turned the tap on too strong in the sink? And there's too much water coming out. And you're like, oh no, I can't handle this. (laughs) And maybe even to the point the sink starts to fill but there's no plug in the sink. It's just bottlenecking and it can't go anywhere. Well, you can actually turn the electrical pulses of chipsets up higher than they should be, than what they're made to be. And in some cases, that's okay to do because the drain for the elect, you know, the drain of the sink can still handle it. But in a lot of cases, it can't. So you have to really know your ratios. And people will test them out and tell you, this one can be overclocked, you know, 10%, or you can go a couple more 0.0 of a volt higher on this. So I looked those up, jumped into the BIOS, boosted it up, boosted up the voltages of my brand new computer, and thought that I was the most genius person at my school. I thought I was dreaming of days of mining Bitcoin and gaming with my friends and being a 10,000 heir by the time I ended grade 12. So here we go. I set up the computer. It's up and running. I download the Bitcoin software, which was very beta at the time. Beta means first edition or testing phase or still very new. I get it up and running and I go, yeah, this is great. Where does the coin go when I find it? Oh, it saves into this little uh, encryption cache. Okay, that's fantastic. I I have this. I even encrypted the login on my computer with like a 35-digit number so that nobody could get in to my computer. And if they tried, it would like not, you couldn't break into it. It was this fully encrypted process because I was so certain that this was going to be a lucrative operation for myself. So I tried to look up the what date this would be. This is 2009. I'm not sure the month. Spring 2009. I looked up the price of Bitcoin and Bitcoin was going for about 30 cents early in the year. And by June, it was going for $5 per coin. So I'd have to find a lot of coins if I was going to be rich. But it was, it was happening. People were finding thousands of coins and turning that into money. And you saw the curve. Even back then, we saw the value of a coin going up. By the end of that year, I think it hit $30. So if you had 10,000 coins that were worth $0.05, cents, and then all of a sudden it's worth $30, I mean, there you go. You're doing well for yourself. That was going to be me. So the first day I decide to mine, I've got my fresh computer. She's overclocked. She's ready to go. All the thermal paste. I got all the fans. I got it up up on the open. I even got it so it won't fall asleep. If I walk away from it, I start the program first thing in the morning, and I head to school. All day at school, I was like, I wasn't telling my friends what I was doing or anything like that. But all day at school, I was like, when I get back, I'm going to have money in the bank in Bitcoin. So sure of myself. Day goes on. I'm not focusing on anything but but my computer running at home. I even thought, hey, at lunchtime I should go home and see how much money I've made. Finally, the day was over. I got to go home. I rush home. I run upstairs into my room and I see that I had dual monitors at the time. I see that the screens are black. And I go, oh no. (laughs) It must have... Gone to a screensaver mode setting that I didn't know about. Or fallen asleep like some computers do. I wiggle the mouse frantically. Come on computer, wake up. Show me how much money I've made. Nothing. Trace the cable. Power bar still on. Looking around. Realize. Hmm. The computer. It's turned off. That must be the case. Press the switch. Nothing. Can't turn on the computer. I go, oh no. What's wrong? Did I find every Bitcoin and there's no more need for this computer? Finally, I get a screwdriver out and I open up the side of the computer, slide the case open, and realize the inside of the computer has melted. There's smoldering chunks. There's melted pieces. The fan was blowing some sort of black smoke all over the motherboard. The, the, the processing chip... It was brown and and gooey. (laughs) And I realized I melted my computer, my brand new computer. I melted it. But of course, I was a a tech genius, right? And I worked at a computer store. And so I could take this in and, and realize what's wrong. If I replaced the motherboard, could I say salvage the chip if I saved this and that? And the only thing salvageable was the power supply, which in theory shouldn't have been because that should have, I don't know why I kept it. I still have it too. This power supply, the RAM, and the graphics card. I don't know why the graphics card made it, but I guess it did. To this day, I still have these parts. What I did was I ordered a new motherboard, a new um, quad core processor and a bigger cooling fan. And I swore that day to never mine for Bitcoin again. Because you see what happened was I overclocked it too much and the processing power needed to mine for Bitcoin is so great That it can actually melt your personal computer. And little did I know that people were setting up various Bitcoin farms at the time. That's linking of computers together so that they all work together to try to find one Bitcoin. And I thought I could just rush in and solve the puzzle of finding these coins with my over-the-counter software. And some people in the early days, you could with a powerful enough rig. You see, the problem was so difficult that it melted my little computer. So here we are. Bitcoin just hit $50,000 Canadian for one coin. I was so close to owning something. I was owning a coin. I was so close to owning a coin. And I gave up. But don't worry, this... This isn't about investing in crypto. This 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 story isn't about investing in anything other than yourself, I, I guess. Because you see, what if the problem in the story of finding a Bitcoin is actually the problem of life, or the problem of solving life for yourself, or the problem of living, or the or the the resistance and the hardships of life, and the problem of fighting those things on your own you see what if you are melting and you are close to giving up what if the problem is the life that's in front of you so let's be clear you are the computer in the story at least and the problem is life or the problem is living or something And what we learn from the bitcoining world is that all these computers have to come together to solve the problem. And I think that's the same in life. You see, maybe in the early days, life was simple and you could solve it on your own. But now, as time has gone on or you've gotten older, it's evident that we can't do this alone. We can't do life alone anymore and we need each other around us to help us solve the problems that are in front of us. Why am I here? Maybe that's a problem or even more specifically, why am I still here? Why do I choose to stay? And inside of us maybe we're we're overworked, we're overclocked, maybe we're we have too much going on with anxiety or this overwhelming depression and and we are crippling under this pressure and we need people around us. We need help. We can't solve this problem on our own. And I'm living as if that's true. I'm living as if we need other people. I'm choosing to live that way. And I think when I made that choice to live As if I need other people and not to isolate myself, even though, I'll admit, I still isolate myself. When I chose to see that we need each other, you'll see life differently. I saw life differently. We don't have to bear our burdens alone, and no one's forcing us to do it. No one's forcing us to do so. Now you might say, I don't want to overwhelm the people around me. I don't want to just go and vomit my problems onto anyone in my life what if they can't handle it what if they're going what what about their problems what about overwhelming them with who i am and and you're right you're right you're right that's true we need to choose who we bear the weight with we need to choose wisely who we bear the weight with and and the number one choice to bear weight with of our life will be someone who's trained to do so a therapist a counselor those are the two main people you see, there's, there is an whole, there's a whole industry of people who are available to us to help bear the weight. Other ways of bearing uh, the weight together are just being social, just interacting with other humans. It's amazing the hope we can find just by talking, just by existing together. And if I learned anything from my little computer that melted, it's that isolation and bearing all the weight on your own will cause you to melt. I don't want you to melt. And that's part of the vision for hashtag hope is that it's not one person just spewing information out to try to solve everyone's problems, but it's a collective conversation or unpacking of despair or rebuilding of hope. An expression of all these things that's collectively brought together for those who feel hopeless, for those who are melting. I don't want you to melt. Funny enough, I rebuilt that computer and I used it all through um, my college days. And in my college dorm room is when I created the first Hashtag Hope Twitter account and the Hashtag Hope website and um, the Hashtag Hope store. And I made the first Hashtag Hope designs on that very same computer. And for some reason, I can't throw it away. It is long since obsolete i still have the computer i pulled it out of storage and i'm looking at it right now brings back a lot of memories and it's the same case that i melted the first version of the computer in and uh, has some burn marks I, i painted over it and whatever but thank you computer for teaching me a lesson today about not melting so here we are at the end of this solo podcast thank you so much for listening thank you for uh, being involved with the Patreon as I will continue to say forever and ever and thank you for believing in me and, and this vision of hashtag hope and this vision of a world where there is no suicide and thank you for letting me pursue it through your financial support I don't know how to end this how should I end this so that's it that was my one take idea my one take story and my practice speaking for the first time in a year about a year now yeah that's crazy to think about so the i think i'm going to keep doing this um feels good maybe when i edit this it'll be different and if you're hearing this part it means i edited it and i put it up and good job nick for doing that Thank you again for listening to my voice. We'll see you all soon.